0: Okay, we are on our sixth and final part of our uh series on life together, building community in the house of prayer. And we've gone quite a few weeks just trying to, you know, sort of set the table and 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 head a direction so that we can develop a stronger church environment here at the house of prayer. And and we are in the middle of of, of changing and shifting so many things. And um and part of that, we asked you to connect to uh, small groups, and we are in the, in the moment of developing those. And it's going to take us a few weeks to get those things rolling. Um, and so there are cards available. If you want to connect to a small group and you hadn't filled out a card, we want you to fill one of those cards out and get it turned in. You can turn it in the information table or in the offering uh, box there in the wall in the back. We definitely want to get you plugged in, or maybe you want to help lead one. We really need your help, or host one maybe in your home. Maybe you don't... Want to lead one, but you want to host one? Fill out that card, and you can put it on there, and tell us what you want to do, and we definitely want to get you connected. And you'll be getting communications from us in the next weeks, just how we're developing and build these things, building these things. Well, today I want to talk about the issue of serving servanthood, and uh, I want to start by talking about what the Lord did to me when I was in China in March. I had a—I won't say it was an encounter from the Lord, but definitely the Lord impacted me. Uh, with revelation by the example of the Chinese believers. And I've shared uh, these stories a bit um, in the last weeks and months, but but the one that really stuck out to me uh, has sort of reformulated the way I think about serving. Now, I've always been a guy, since I got saved, they said, you know, just be at church every time the doors open, and if you find a need, meet it. And then in, in that, you'll find yourself... You know, serving the Lord, and I said, "Great!" And just always been that guy. And you know what happens is you get rolling and and you know doing church and doing Christianity, and after a while, you're doing it dutifully, but you don't know why you're doing it. You're just doing the deal, and uh, and you get going a long time like that, and your heart can get really cold. I mean, you can be at church every week, serving every single week. And the next thing you know, you're like the maiden in Song of Solomon, she says she tended everybody else's garden, but she didn't take care of her own and she said, "I was burned by the sun." What she means is I got out there working, and I just worked and worked and worked until I was burned out and uh and so a lot of people find themselves that way in church, and I think a lot of the reason they find themselves that way is because of they they lose sight of the point of what we're doing you know, in church and serving and, and why we're doing it. They learn, lose sight of the motivation. So when I'm in China, the Lord re-upped me on that. He really brought things back to center for me and and made it clear to me uh, some, some just biblical ideas and, and paradigms that uh, some I wasn't really aware of and then some that I just kind of lost a little bit over time. One of our values in the house of prayer has been that when people show up, we want them to be able to connect with the Lord before we sort of throw them, you know, you know, hardcore into ministry. Like, we're not trying to get stuff out of people. We're trying to connect their heart with Jesus. And so we've allowed that to be a value. So people love to come here, sit in the prayer room, or come to services and just receive. But what we've done is allowed people to do that so much, we've never actually, you know, been intentional about casting the vision to connecting in a, in a, in a service way and serving. And so, what's ended up happening is we've been in this 2080 thing, 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. And we talked about it last week. We don't want to do that. We want to move into every joint in the body supplying. Amen. That's the biblical way that every joint supplies. That means every person, person brings their portion. Every person connects and does what God has gifted and graced them to do. That's how the thing grows together. So I'm in China. And, uh, you know, honestly, the first day there, uh, uh, the Chandler and Wesley, the two guys with me, I mean, we we get there and we are meeting with these, I mean, beautiful believers who are being persecuted for their faith. and And we're interfacing with these pastors that are literally over Millions of people, like the smallest church uh, pastor that we connected with, he's, the, he's got the smallest church, he's got a million people in his church. Okay, <laughs> so just do the, just think about it now, a million. You know, in, in the United States, if we meet a guy with 5,000 people in his church, we go, woo, you know, mega church. This man has a million, a million. And uh, he's just a young man my age and... Uh, real humble, unassuming, you'd never think this guy's a pastor over a million people because he doesn't walk around and carry himself like that. No entourage, no $100 hairdo. The $100 hairdo thing is, we've gotten out of control with the $100 hairdos, y'all. I mean, if you're a pastor and you put foils in your hair, you might want to rethink that one, brother. Just a thought. Okay, uh, you know, no custom suits, just brothers. They're all brothers, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And um, so we're there a day, and Chandler and Wesley and I, we're, we're meeting with these, you know, amazing believers. We're looking at each other. We're like, what are we doing here? Why in the world would they ask us to come here? This is ridiculous. You know, maybe we can like clean their toilets and serve them in some way. So uh, they're asking us to teach every chance we get. They're they're you know telling us their whole stories and and um, and they're really treating us with so much honor. It's just it's over the top. And we uh, we meet a pastor. He's over four million. He's actually been here a couple times now and visited us. And and when Brother Yoon was here, he's been here a couple times and. Brother Joshua and and so Brother Joshua, when we when we show up in his city, he is like sparing no expense for us. He's like making sure we've got a uh, chauffeured car picking us up. It's ridiculous. They won't let us carry our bags, not one inch, and um, won't let us pay for a meal. And they're they're home cooking so many meals for us. And and the thing in China. I probably already told this, but it's just so funny. The thing in China is it's respectful if they feed you until you can't eat and then you leave a little food on the plate because they went so long without any food. Now that they've got a little abundance, they like to feed you till you have some food left. Well, we understood that when you go overseas, what you're supposed to do is eat everything. And... <laughs> So I didn't know this. They're, they're piling this food on me. I'm going, oh, no, 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 no. And that's just a standard thing in China. You just say, oh, no, no, no. I'm so full. And they go, no, eat more, eat more. And I'm going, oh, no, no. And they're like, here. So I'm eating. I mean, and it's everything. I mean, it's just ridiculous. They know Americans eat peanut butter. We're eating peanut butter with every meal. I mean, I had grilled chicken and peanut butter. And just, it was just, I was like over the top. And, uh, and I kept trying to say, no, no, no. And they kept feeding me. And on the side, I don't know this, he's saying it in Chinese, in, in Mandarin, to the guys that, that, are, that are there, you know, some of his, his team and stuff, and they're saying, man, this guy loves Chinese food. It's amazing how much he's eating. <laughs> and, and all I'm trying to do is clean my plate to be a good guy, you know, to, to be honoring. It was ridiculous. So they continue to just, I mean, stuff us. But they are taking our plate, picking our bag up, I mean, just, just serving us in every way imaginable, and it 's not just the church members it's it 's the 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 head guy, the guy that 's over four million he 's taking my plate and throwing it away he 's sweeping up after we eat and and he 's doing all these things, and i 'm taking note i 'm like, man he 's actually like doing a lot of the work himself and um and it all kind of comes to a point for me because i 'm getting ready to leave their city and go we 're getting ready to fly to Central Asia. And I've got this giant American, it's American Tourister. I was an American Tourist. American Tourister bag. Weighs about 50 pounds and one of the wheels broken off. So I can't roll it anymore. I've got to lug it. And we pull up to the airport and Brother Joshua hops out real fast before me, gets in the back and pulls my suitcase out of the back and he's going to carry it. And this thing is heavy. It's not a joke. And I start trying to pull it from him and he says, no. And he lifts it and he carries this thing and lugs it around this airport so I get my tickets until I'm at the gate. And, uh, you know, and then they check my bag and everything. And um, that, in that moment, after just being so ridiculously served by these guys, I just, something inside of me just, it just kind of broke a bit. Because it just, this man's been in prison. He's been beaten for the gospel. I mean, mercilessly beaten for the gospel. Um, I mean, really done, you know, book of Acts ty- type of exploits and loves Jesus, laying his life down for Jesus under persecution every day. And he won't even let me carry my bag. And it just, it was in that moment, I just like, can you, would you please stop? I'm not, I'm not able to handle this. And he said, no. <laughs> and took my bag from me. And I just, I mean, it was, I'm walking around like, you know, like, this, I can't believe this is happening. I mean, and, uh, and he's acting like my servant. And so I just, you know, I'm just reflecting on it later, and I'm just going, Lord, I don't understand this stuff at all. Like, I don't, I don't know what this is like to, to just serve and serve and serve until it's embarrassing and you just serve some more and i realized that kind of my mentality of serving i, I you know i i had gotten some things you know from the scripture and had some of it some of it clear but some of it just my whole lens was just so colored by a western mentality a western paradigm that i couldn't comprehend what it was like once i was around people who actually served like really served with joy i mean really didn't care if they were Looked at as the peon. Here he is, pastor of four million, lugging my bag around. He's more authority in the kingdom than than I've got. I mean, way more. And will not let me carry my bag. And he doesn't care if he's being looked at as the peon or the servant. And I'm going, Lord, I don't think I understand what this is to to be servant-hearted in the kingdom. And the Lord from there began to instruct me. And began to teach me about... The kingdom mentality, the kingdom paradigm of serving, and I don't know that I've got it all down. But it's what I want to I want to offer you guys today, and from there I want to invite you to connect more in the house of prayer and in a service way. We've been talking about relational fellowship, relational community, and and what I realize is there is a relational com- component to building who we are, and then there's a service component. When we have our hands on the plow together and we're all pushing forward, there's this shared sensation of doing something together that, man, it builds something in us almost like nothing else. All right, so there's the backdrop. Now, I want you to imagine for a minute. I want you to think about this. What if I came up here and I told you that the Georgia State Legislature heard about the House of Prayer, which they actually have because there's a, there's a House of Prayer believer guy that serves in the state legislature. But what if I told you they'd heard about the House of Prayer and they want to come here for a few days to see what the community of the House of Prayer is like. And we have the opportunity to serve them meals and to, to show them around and to show them what the House of Prayer, with, with the community of the House of Prayer is like. And I said, I need, and if I said, I need some volunteers to help to be a blessing and to serve the state legislature. I mean, I think I would probably be, you know, get fifty to hundred volunteers just at the jump, just instantly, and and we would run around and we would serve those those uh, congressmen and, and state senators and and hopefully put on our best face to show them what a, a house of prayer is like and what the culture of prayer is all about and and hopefully you know pray for them and share with them. We would go for that. Now, what if I told you that it's not just the Georgia guys? that was going to come. But if I told you it was the United States Congress and Senators, if I told you that all the congressmen and all the senators in the U.S. were coming, they'd heard about the House of Prayer, they wanted to see the, the environment and learn about the culture of prayer, and I said, I need as many people as can help to serve them for a week. You'd be like, are you serious, serving senators and congressmen? Heck yeah, we're going to you know, serve them and pray for them and get a little prophetic word hymn with a little Schausbach on the side and just you know, we would easily, easily max out in terms of teams to serve. What have I said, President Obama has heard that we pray for him every week, which we do, and he wants to come and see the community and the culture of the house of prayer. And he's bringing 100 people in an entourage, and they're going to be here for a week, and we have the opportunity to serve him. I think we'd have 100% connect. I said, I need anybody that can help serve from, you know, children all the way up. We'd have 100% participation, undoubtedly. Now think about that for a minute. Just think about those different thoughts, state legislators, United States Congress, presidents of the United States. Now what if... Jesus was here in the flesh. And the Lord was like, I really want to be a part of the house of prayer for a week. Would you show me around? Show me about the culture of the house of prayer. I'd be like, hyperventilating. I think we'd have 100% participation. Maybe we'd have a bunch like, no, like run and hide, like, oh, God but probably have 100% participation. Isn't it interesting the way that our mind works when we think about human dignitaries, even our own president, or even Jesus in the flesh, when it comes to connecting and serving? Because in my mind, I go, oh yeah, I'd be there. Oh yeah, totally be there. Do whatever. Let's, Let's make sure that we're... We're serving them the best way we possibly can, or or even if I said these brothers from China are coming and we need people to come and serve, I mean, we would have a, a, a real focused participation. Here's, here's one of the key things we've got to understand. In the kingdom of God, when we serve, it's not simply as if we're serving the Lord. When we serve in the kingdom, we're actually serving the Lord as if he were here in the flesh. It's real. We're really serving him. No matter what you do in the kingdom, you're really serving Jesus. You're not serving just the church, the house of prayer. You're not serving me. We're actually serving Jesus. Think about that. When we serve, we're actually serving the Lord. Colossians 3, look at this in verse 22. You know, Some people are like, well, in, in Christ, we're not servants. You know, we're sons. And I'm not talking about having a, a slavery mentality, but Paul, who's the guy that talked about how we have the spirit of adoption, had no qualms calling himself a bondservant of the Lord. So let's not get weird about that. You can be fully adopted, fully alive in a sonship relationship with God, and fully alive with a servant, a glad servant heart before God. Amen. So Colossians 3, look at this, verse 22. Paul speaking. Bond servants, he's talking to believers, calls us all bond servants. Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service, as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Now he's specifically talking about those who are indentured servants and actually have, have, you know, to get out themselves out of debt, have actually put themselves into a, a position of servitude. Believers who are in that position in the New Testament, that's what he was talking about. But this works for every believer. When you serve, you serve Jesus. Whether you're serving at your job, whether you're serving in your home, whether you're serving in the church, when you serve, do it as unto the Lord, and it's every bit as real as if Jesus were there in the flesh and you're doing it for him personally. It's amazing how, because we live behind the veil of the flesh, we live behind the veil of time, that we can get sort of distanced from the truth that, you know, the Lord is actually engaging with our every thought, our every move, our every action. You know, we can kind of just, we can kind of get just foggy on that. But the reality is this, when we offer service in the kingdom, when we offer service, we're actually doing it for Jesus in the same way we would be doing it as if he were there in front of us. Okay. So if that's the case, that requires us to then consider how we're serving the Lord. We wouldn't want to give the Lord some half-baked effort, right? You wouldn't do like looking around, making sure, and then doing the thing halfway, right? If Jesus were there, you wouldn't be like, ah, somebody else will get that. Come on, Jesus, me and you gonna talk for a while. He'd, he'd be like, what? And I think it's just human nature. We feel like when nobody's watching, it's not as important. Isn't it amazing how we all do better when people are watching? It's just amazing. If somebody's there watching, think about it in a work scenario. When, you're, when your boss is there, you're like, man, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. Yeah. I mean, you don't, maybe I'll don't say amen, but you're like, here I am. Perfect, right? Boss leaves you like, hey, what's up? Yeah, I mean, there's just a, you know what I'm talking about. There's just a different way that we carry ourselves when the manager or the boss is around. guys, Jesus is around all the time. And I don't think he's around going, how are you serving today? You know, with a a mean look, I think he's just there. Of course he's there. He's there in your heart through the Holy Spirit. He's everywhere. He sees every thought, every action, every deed. When we serve, beloved, we actually have the privilege of serving the Lord in everything we do. And this is where the rubber meets the road in our service. When we're, when we're trying to sort of sidestep service or when we do service in a in a halfway done kind of way like a shoddy kind of way, man we've got to recognize that we're actually serving the Lord regardless of with any whether or not anyone else is seen it in fact it's not about anyone else seeing it it's about you and Jesus serving the Lord isn't simply you know pursuing holiness, pursuing righteousness. It, it, it is living the values of the kingdom. It's, it's, it's not, those are not to be deleted. Those are definitely part of it, but that's not the only thing it is. It, a lot of serving the Lord has to do with just how we do our daily stuff. Listen, if you're a mom in here, you know what I'm talking about. You know, moms, you know, two, three, four kids, You know, especially if you had little ones, if they if you had them all kind of close together and little ones, I, I look at our family, man, and it is it's kid Armageddon sometimes, and uh, you know, it's all my wife can do just to sort of like keep the house from like blowing up. And so here's the thing: while she is like you know defusing bombs everywhere, you know she's not having as much time to sort of you know meditate on God and gaze on the beauty. You know what I'm saying? She's trying to stop the bowls of wrath from being poured out in our house. And so what she has to do is recognize that it's priestly to serve. And when she can get over, and this is how how it has to be, Mom, you get over to this place of realizing that when you're wiping your baby's nose or changing the diaper, you're actually serving Jesus. There's a connection and intimacy that happens, and so your service becomes priestly activity unto God. This thing is because of Jesus. We serve because of Jesus. We lay our lives down for others because of Jesus. The way that the mom's heart can stay alive, you know, when she's just going through all these challenging things at home, is by realizing I'm doing this because I love Jesus. Same thing is true for the businessman. You go to work. You know, you might get there at 7.30 or 8 o'clock, and you're in this dog-eat-dog environment all day. Guys cut throat and doing all sorts of stuff and lying on you and stepping on people to try to get their way up. And you're in there going, what am I doing here? What you're doing there is you're serving Jesus. And you're to be a light in that place a standard of righteousness right in the middle a testimony of what it looks like to serve the lord and that is a ministry to the heart of the lord you're loving jesus through that servant through that that serving that servant heartedness guys what we do in every area of our life how we serve we're not just serving to get the the job done or to even get the paycheck or because we have to out of some dutiful thing this is about intimacy with the Lord. This is why we do it because we love him. We serve because we love so servanthood and service, volunteer service getting at the job getting a paycheck service all of it though is unto the Lord. One of the things that always you know convicts my heart is uh you know. The times when people say, well, hey, if you do this, uh, I'll give you, you know, some money if you'll do this for me. And so then, you know, you, you hop in, you go, okay, I'll do this thing. And you're, you're, you know, front and center if you get paid. But when it comes down to not getting paid, it's kind of like, eh. And it's, it, it, it always, and I know you got to get paid. You know, I know you got to have a wage. But I, there's just something that always I have to work through when we're more motivated by money than we are by love of God. Uh, there's something about that. You know, th- there's got to be this thing where we're, I mean, I understand you got you to you have, you know, a, a wage and an income. I'm not saying that's just go to work for free, but I'm just saying there's, there's just times where you just see this thing where people just are so much more, quote unquote, service oriented or servant hearted when they're getting paid versus when they're not. I think it should be the same. I think it should be better, actually. If we're serving unto the Lord, can I get a little amen? A little amen action? Okay, good. So, here's the deal. The key is not to value serving as if we're serving the Lord, but to recognize when we serve, we are serving the Lord, just like he were there. All right, look at this verse, Luke chapter 22. And this is where it started to land for me when the Lord started sh- sort of shifting my paradigm on the values in the kingdom and, and serving. And these are things that I've kind of meditated on over the years and even taught on a certain to a certain extent, but I saw something I hadn't seen before and it even changed further the way I think. Now look at this. In Luke chapter 22, here we are at the end of Jesus' life. The disciples know something about Jesus is getting ready to... You know, he, he said, "I'm getting ready to go." Uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to be handed over. Um, he explains it in the previous verses. I'm going to be betrayed. And then in verse twenty three, we find out that after, right after Jesus says after supper, after he takes the cup and says, "I'm going to be betrayed," the very next thing, verse twenty three says, "Then they begin to question among themselves which of them it was who would do this thing." And then, verse 24, a dispute among among them arose uh, to to which of them should be considered the greatest. And and I look at that and I go, huh. So one second they're trying to figure out who's going to betray Jesus, and then the next second they're trying to figure out who's the greatest. I'm convinced they were trying to figure out who was going to take over. Because clearly the guy that's The greatest among them would then take over. Now, don't look at them that bad. Because you go, ooh, golly, the disciples are like jockeying for position. Come on, that's you and I. That's exactly how we think. Oh, so you mean you're going to move so I could be the head of the... Oh, mm mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. God is going to exalt my... My sheaf above my brethren. Amen. There's this thing where we we just have it in us. We want to be great. But what we don't realize is, yeah, God put that desire in our hearts for greatness. He really did. But greatness in the kingdom comes a completely different way than greatness in the world. And when you pursue greatness according to the system of the world, you are actually in opposition to the way this thing works in the kingdom of God. Now let's look at this. Luke 22, verse 24. Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. I believe it's because they're jockeying for position. They're trying to figure out who's going to take over, in my opinion. I think that's what that is. Verse 25. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, over the Gentiles. And those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. Verse 26, but not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. As the younger. And he who governs as he who serves. Verse 27, for who is greater? He who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? But Jesus says, Yet I am among you as the one who serves. Now, that same exact story relayed by Matthew, Jesus said, Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your set slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. So here we get the complete ideas that were shared from Luke and and Matthew on the same exact conversation. Jesus breaks out some really, really important thoughts. This is about the paradigm. This is the mentality of the kingdom of God as it relates to servanthood. And this is so countercultural. This is so perpendicular to the world system. You almost can read it and then not even see it. And that's why when I went to China and I saw something new modeled for me, it stuck out like a sore thumb. Like that would never fly in the United States. No pastor of, come on, 10,000 would be ripping somebody else's bag out of their hand and traipsing it around an airport. Not in the U.S. I mean... Most times, what we see in the United States, if you've got a pastor and he's got a few thousand members, he's got a little entourage carrying all his stuff. He can't even carry his own Bible. I'm not sure how we forgot to, you know, you get 2,000 people and you forget how to carry your Bible. I don't know how that works. But that's how it is in, in the United States, and that's normal. I'm going to tell you something that's not normal in the kingdom. That's not normal in the kingdom. Now, what did Jesus lay out for us? Here's what he lays out. He says this, the kings of the Gentiles, they exercise lordship over their people. He's talking about lords who own land. Talking about landowners who own large portions of land, and then those those uh, the people that would live under them, he would require the people that lived under them to call them benefactors, to call the, the Lord the benefactor. Benefactor means somebody who does us well, somebody who does us good, and and the whole thing, though, is an, an irony because it was well known in that day that most of those landowners and most of those lords, they would lord over the people. They would exercise taxes and they would they would have rules and they would really force their people to live in a certain way. And still, they said, you guys are going to have to call me benefactor or good leader. Even though they were harsh to them, lording over them, Jesus goes, it's not going to be that way among you. And then he says this thing that's just, I don't even, this this is a this is a paradigm shifter. Not so among you, on the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. Now think about it. In our family you know, set up. Who tends to have privilege? The older. And who tends to get passed over? The younger. You kind of, I'm a, the youngest of three brothers. I kind of know what it's like to have to fight off the other two just to get a little something to eat from dinner. Not not really, but I know what it's like to be the little guy. You can't, can't do the things the other guys do. You You know, you're you're young growing up. You you don't have the same privileges they have because they're older. Here's what Jesus is saying. He goes, the greatest in my kingdom, the one with the most authority, he will present himself as one who is the least, who's like the little brother, who's expected to serve, expected to be on the bottom. The greatest will present himself as the younger, and look what it says: "And he who governs as he who serves." When I watched this pastor of four million getting the broom and sweeping up after our dinner, I was just, I, I, I just looking at that. I just, I, I didn't know what to think about. I just, I'm looking. I just what's he doing? Like, why, um, Isn't there somebody around here that can do that? Well, yeah, there's four million other people around there that could do that. But he was recognizing something in the kingdom. The greatest is like the servant. The greatest is like the little brother. The governor in the kingdom is expected to be the servant. The the one that governs is expected to go low. That's how it's supposed to be. And just because he's a teacher and a preacher of the word doesn't mean that you never pick up the broom. Doesn't mean that you, you never carry someone else's bag. In fact, he had a whole different mentality of it. He says... Whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. Let him be your slave. Let him be your slave. Now, come on. We have too many rights. <laughs> Somebody, I'm going to be somebody's slave. Like, really? What if they take advantage of me? What if they ask me to do stuff I don't want to do? Now, in the, in the, now, we don't do sin. But what if I'm tired of, you know, serving all the time? Let him be your slave. Like, really? That's there? Yeah, that's actually there. What's Jesus doing? He's flipping it. He's flipping the whole mentality. Here's the way we think. We think you work your way up the ladder. You work really hard all the way up so that when you get to the top, other people serve you. You know what Jesus is saying? Work your way down so that you can be a servant of all. The son of man, he didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And why did he do that? So that he would have an entire kingdom of glad-hearted, joyful servants who don't try to work their way up in the pecking order to, to, you know, retire with everybody serving them, but who actually work their way down just like he did to be the servant of all. It's completely opposite. It's completely opposite. The kingdom is completely opposite of the world system. See, if if you're like me, this hit me in the nose and I went, whoa, this is completely opposite, not just of the world, but of, of the way that I think. My paradigm is not the same as this. Now, he... He says this thing to to finalize the point he's making. Now look at it. Verse 27. Who is greater? He who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? But look what Jesus says. Yet I am among you as the one who serves. Here's what I believe he's saying there. Who is greater in the eyes of the world? The servant? Or the guy that's being served? And everybody goes, well, clearly the guy sitting at the table, he's greater. But Jesus goes, not in my kingdom. I'm here among you as the servant. Not as the one being served. In my kingdom, it's flipped. And beloved, this is where the rubber meets the road. Honor and dignity and the value in the kingdom is not placed on being served, it's placed on serving. The the honor and the value of, of, of the produce of your life is not placed on how many people you have serving you, it's placed on you being a servant of many. Dignity in the kingdom is serving, not being served. Whoop. There it is. There it is. Dignity in the kingdom is on serving, not on being served. It's the upside down kingdom, beloved. It's completely upside down. Jesus loves to come and serve. He loves to to take the low place. God in the flesh loves to take the low place. This is our Jesus. This is our King. Our King is a servant. Our God made himself the servant of all. Our God comes not to be served, but to serve. Our God comes to serve. He came to serve. Why? Because of love. And that's why you and I serve. We don't serve to get noticed. We don't serve to make our way up the ladder. We don't serve so that somebody will pat us on the back. That's so foolish. It's a momentary little blessing. If you serve to get seen by another person, you have your reward. But if you serve because you love him, you love him, the father who sees in secret rewards you openly. This is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God. I I tell you, when this started hitting me, I thought, I don't don't understand this. I don't have this clear. Because in my mind, there's been that thing of you serve until, you know, you don't have to serve as much. No, you serve until you can become the servant of all. That's what Jesus did. And he sets for us an example. But once we recognize that the privilege in the kingdom is on serving, everything changes. And here's why. The privilege in the kingdom is on serving because we're actually serving Jesus. Now, if we had a table set and we had a bunch of people and Jesus was sitting there and he was on this end, say we had 40 people and we had, you know, say we had five people serving the table and. And there's 40 people on the, on, on the table and there's Jesus on the end. And if you were over here on this end pouring the, the water, I mean, you'd be glad to be part of the gathering, but you'd probably in your heart going, man, I wish I was down there pouring Jesus water. Guess what? That's everything we get to do. We get to pour him water all day, every day. We actually get to serve Jesus. Serving is the value and the honor in the kingdom because we really are Serving him. It's upside down. It's completely different than the way we think. It's completely opposite. And here's what I realized. This This is what the Chinese pastor was doing to me. When I would try to carry my own bag, and he'd say no and pick my bag up. You know what he was doing? Outranking me. He was outranking me. And so because he was outranking me, he was saying, I, he was essentially saying to me, I have more authority you than you. I'm allowed to serve you. I have more authority than you. I can go lower than you. It's my privilege in the kingdom to serve. No! <laughs> and as... And then he takes the place of the younger. I'm walking around like I'm the dignitary. He's walking around like he's the servant. And I'm being, it's crushing me. And he's smiling. Hallelujah. Some made you. And that's, and I'm just done. I'm just undone. The value in the kingdom is serving. So I, I asked my friend who, my friend is a, uh, he's a, uh, a Marine, and he he, he was an ex-Marine, and and, and was made sergeant uh, at a very, very young age. And he works with the Chinese, and uh, I said, so all this, like, over-the-top serving is, like, crazy. Like, I'm not, like, this is real, isn't it? This is the Bible, isn't it? He's like, yeah, it's real. Like they're not just putting this on. He's like, no, no, this is real. And so, you know, we had meals, and we would eat together, and you know, it was kind of like who could get to the table first and, like, pour everybody else's glass. So I'm, like, you know, running down there to try to get the thing, and they're like, oh, you're learning. All right, you know. Because it took me a minute to sort of get it. Like, they're all serving me. Well, that's, I'm Because you're kind of an American. You're like, cool, somebody else poured my drink. Can I have some more? I mean, just how we think. Until it's a pastor of four million who's been beaten for the gospel, and he beats you to the table every single time. And you're like, man, something's wrong with me liking this. I don't, I don't like it. I want, I want to serve him. So I asked my friend. I said, so I'm trying to imagine how to how to apply this in America. I said, uh, I'm imagining. I go just coming up with a scenario. Imagining myself in a room with ten or fifteen pastors and leaders, and I mean, if I'm trying to. Do what I see being modeled and what I know the scriptures saying, then I have to run around the room and fill everybody's glass. I go, if I do that in America, I'm gonna immediately be looked down on and and they're not, you know, they're just not even gonna they're not gonna think anything of me. They're not even they won't even think I'm, you know, somebody even connect with. They're gonna think I'm just the servant boy. He goes, he goes, I made sergeant and I think it's at twenty one. He goes, everybody in my platoon was my age or older. He goes, I come out of a, you jump, and, and I give the, I give the you know, command, and you do it regardless of who you are. He goes, coming into this thing with the Chinese has flipped my entire world upside down. He goes, trying to serve and go alone. He goes, because in the, in the military, you don't let anybody walk on you. He goes, here, you present yourself as a slave to be walked on, and it's the value of the kingdom. Beloved, I realize this is countercultural. I realize this is not the way that we think in America. But we've also got to realize this is the kingdom of God. We've got to find out if, you know, we've got to come to grips with whether or not we're going to be Americans or citizens of the kingdom. Like, this is where the rubber meets the road. Here's what Jesus said, Luke 12. You know, if I think I was humiliated by this pastor serving me, wait, wait till what's coming. Luke 12, verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. That's talking about Jesus is going to serve us. I mean, we won't have our pride by the time we get there, so it won't be as, like, devastating. I mean, our hearts will be alive in it. But when we show up, he's going to serve us. Jesus is going to serve us. How crazy would it be for us to live a life trying to be served all the time, looking how we can cut the corner on being served all the time, to show up there and Jesus is running around serving us. Jesus, the Jesus, our Jesus, is serving us. Meanwhile, we've lived a whole life sort of like, how can I get over on serving? How can I get somebody else to serve me? We show up there and Jesus is serving us. And then I just started thinking about it. We... We know the story, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. We know it. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. But slow it down and think about it. The man Christ Jesus, with his 12 main guys, at the end of the Last Supper, says he girds himself with a towel and gets a basin of water and gets down on his knees and starts handling their feet. Washing the grime off of his main guys. Washing it off of them. Touching it down there in that mess. This is our, this is our God. See, I propose that I don't even know how much Western mentality has colored my lenses. I propose that I don't don't even recognize how much the American dream and, and so many of these ideas have jaded my paradigm. Our king had no problem getting on his knees and cleaning the feet of his 12 disciples. And then he admonishes him. He says, what I'm doing to you, he goes, you don't have any idea what I'm doing, but I'm doing this so you'd have an example. Do this to others. This is how you're supposed to live. This is the model. He goes, I'm modeling for you what servanthood in the kingdom looks like. Beloved, privilege in the kingdom is in serving, not in being served. One last verse. Philippians 2. Verse 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. See, there's that little thing in me, I go, Lord, if we all walk around esteeming others better than, what if somebody doesn't know this verse? because if they don't know, they're going to take advantage of us. He goes, "Uh uh-huh. See? He's setting us up to serve like he served. Do you think anybody understood the value of what Jesus was doing as he was laying his life down, as he was washing feet, as he was allowing people to ridicule him and not reviling in return? Do you think anybody comprehended the power of his service. See, here's how we go. We go, well, Lord, I'll serve. Just don't let them, you know, take advantage of me. Just make sure they understand I'm I'm doing this thing. I can't tell you how many times in church I've seen somebody serve and they serve for a while and then they get mad. And you go, so what are you mad about? Nobody noticed what I was doing. (laughs) I guess we realized while you were serving. Now, I'm not, I'm not against affirming. We should be affirming. We should be encouraging, affirming all the time. But man, if you're serving and you get mad because you serve too much, say it politely, you need to check yourself. Why were you serving in the first place? So somebody would see you and pat your back? So you could get a step up on somebody else? I've been there, guys. I've been there. I'm serving, serving, serving. Nobody's noticing, and I'm mad about it. And the Lord goes, son, who are you serving? A man or me? Let this mind be in you. Oh, wait, I'll just start over. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you. This is the paradigm. This is the paradigm. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who though he existed in the form of God and did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. And coming in the likeness of men and being found as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient, even to the point of death, even the death of the cross. If it goes on, it reads, and God highly exalted him. This is the way of the kingdom, beloved. The paradigm is this. I don't have a reputation. The paradigm is this. Others are better than me, and I want to serve and bless them. That's the paradigm. That's the kingdom mentality. The mentality is this. Privilege in the kingdom is in serving, not in being served. And the greater spiritual authority somebody has, the more they can outrank you by serving you. And I found this, and I saw this in China. It was like a game. It was like a game among the believers. They had a blast out serving each other. It, it was awkward at times too. I remember we were walking up the stairwell. We had just arrived to this, uh, this location, and, and we were walking up the stairwell, and we all had our bags with us. And one of the brothers, somebody grabbed his bag. Is the pastor of a million. Somebody grabbed his bag. He is laughing and running up the stairs and trying to grab everybody's bag out of their hand so that he doesn't be the guy that walks up without a bag. And he's wrestling bags from people. We're walking up the stairs. It's awkward. He's like, I'm like, no, I got it. I got it. Come on, man. I mean, it's, it's a fight. He's, and he's, what is he doing? He's trying to serve. He's trying to out-serve. It was a, it was the, it was a blast the game was in who could serve the most. Who could serve the most? And when somebody slipped in and served, and then it it was unnoticed, it was like, it was just the coolest thing. (laughs) I remember this young man, he'd come to to ask uh, Brother Joshua some questions. He was running a Bible school, and the Bible school was exploding. And there we were, and... and (laughs) Brother Joshua introduced us as, uh, you know, these ministers from Atlanta. And this young man started serving us tea. And we're drinking our tea. In China, you drink tea. And we drank tea. And man, as soon as my cup, as soon as I would put it back down, he'd fill it back up. I'm drinking, drinking. I am fully inebriated on tea. And I probably drank six or eight cups of tea. And then I realized, "Whoa, this young guy has been serving me this whole time. And I go, now who is he? He's the head of one of our largest Bible schools. He's here because his Bible school has exploded and he needs more room. He was on his knees pouring tea for me. I I didn't even want to know how many people he had under him. I just didn't, I just couldn't hang. I'm sure he would say, yeah, he has 100,000 people. (laughs) He's on his knees in front of me, pouring me tea over and over and over and sitting on the floor while I was sitting in a chair. Laughing and enjoying it. I think it's a little different maybe in the kingdom than what we're used to in the West, guys. And so so that's what I wanted to bring to us. I, I wanted to bring that paradigm to us and then invite us to connect in serving here in the the house of prayer. There's an every joint supplies reality that God wants to give us where all of our hands are on the plow and we're moving this thing forward and we're not doing it for man, we're doing it for Jesus. Just loving and serving the Lord, finding our privilege in the kingdom through serving. Does that make sense? Amen. Good. Let's go ahead, let's just stand. I want want to serve like that. I I want to have the paradigm of the kingdom of God motivating my heart. I want to serve because of love, not out of duty, out of revelation. of, Of This is the privilege in the kingdom to serve this way. Amen. Let's just pray for a moment. Lord, help us to see, help us to see with kingdom eyes, we want to see your will, your ways, not our own, not trying to work our way up or to be noticed by men, but just with glad hearts in sincerity and simply in love, serving you. Let us see that all that we do, we're doing it as heartily unto you. It's for 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 you, Jesus. It's our privilege in the kingdom to serve you. It's for you.